This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Join your hosts, Mark Zylinski, Jeremy Duval, and Rob Fanouf as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Rough Enough. Tonight, we are going to tackle sportsmanship and in some degree, soft scores in general. This is a conversation that Billy Smith and myself had on our way back from Mountaineer. And it's a topic that's near and dear to our hearts because we think that soft scores are an integral part of the tournament experience. That being said, it's also important that it's done correctly. So here are our thoughts. Rob here. I am with the man, the legend, Billy Smith, and we are on our way back from Mountaineer. And for me personally, I'm in an interesting position of having gone to two tournaments back-to-back that have had almost polar opposite sportsmanship scoring. Now that I'm looking in the rear view of these two events, I thought it would be an interesting conversation with Billy about sportsmanship and, and kind of maybe some of the, the common criticisms that, that comes up, what you as a player can do to some of those, and what also the TO's responsibility is in some of this. The two events that, I, that I'm going to use for me personally to kind of anchor the discussion uh, is Mountaineer, which we just went to, where potentially your sportsmanship score could be around 12.5%, 20 points potentially out of 165. So it's a really low sports score, I mean, as a, as a contribution, given that when you look at the sports score results from the event, the range is very small, right? I mean, what, like 17 to... 11 or something? I, 11, yeah. 10? 10 to 17? Yeah, the, the guy that won best sports got 17 out of 20. Right. And the guy with the lowest was 10. Right. Com- and, I, and, I, and then I'm going to compare that to Bugator GT, where 33% of your score potentially could come from sports. But again, I, I think the range was, it certainly wasn't, you know, hundreds of points. It was, it was large enough where a larger contribution of overall came from sports at that event than here. So before we get into the criticism of sports scoring, I figured it'd be nice for me and Billy to each provide a little context as to why we think sportsmanship scoring is important. Billy, you want to start us off, Billy? Absolutely. Uh, sportsmanship, I think the, the fantasy mass battle community is in an interesting position because I've talked to people in other groups and and like, you know, there's Magic the Gathering players as well and other miniatures games and and, and online video games and stuff and sportsmanship is something that seems kind of foreign. And when I explain, yeah, we offer rewards for, for, for being sporting, I think, and I haven't, I obviously wasn't there from the beginning, but I think the reason is nobody wants to play against a dick. Be honest. Um, you know, if you had the choice to play against, uh, you know, someone who was fun, engaging, provided a clean game, and just generally gave you a good time, or do you want to play against somebody who maybe still, you know, just, just kicked your teeth in and was kind of a jerk about it. You'd want to play with the fun guy. And so in a hobby, in a game where we don't just plug in a video game cartridge or buy a pack of magic cards, but spend hundreds of hours preparing, driving to tournaments, playing in those games and, and paying money to enter these tournaments, you don't want to have a bunch of sour pusses to play against. And so I think at some basic level in a game like ours that requires a large amount of preparation on everybody's part, I think I think the TO's 
owe it to the players, and the players owe it to each other to just be respectful, and this is a way to incentivize that. Ultimately, the people that want to win, want to win best overall, which we value in the in this in this hobby, you know, your, your total average or whatever of battle points, sportsmanship, and paint, if you kick everybody's ass, but you've got a gray army and you're a dickhead, you're not going to win. And so that's just an easy way of incentivizing behavior. That's, that's classic Pavlov psychological conditioning. Hey, if you do this thing good, I'm going to reward you. And the way we reward sportsmanship and, you know, hobby is by giving you a score. Sportsmanship in our game is important to me because it should, when done correctly, incentivize those facets of sporting behavior that we are that, that we find positive in the human interaction that we find at the table. Sportsmanship points as a contribution to overall or even just a sportsmanship score as to a sportsmanship award to just incentivize those those things. So but let's with that in mind, you know, we obviously are both on the camp of sportsmanship is a good thing. Flip side is I also can give you examples of where sportsmanship done poorly in terms of how the TO maybe has set it up or worded some of the questions or as a percentage of overall, you can screw it up. That being said, let's hit on a few of the criticisms uh, that are normally leveled at this is why sportsmanship shouldn't be part of our game. The, the first one is that, hey man, I'm just playing by the rules. I'm playing the rules and uh, I'm being screwed over by the sportsmanship score. And my, my argument to that is Kings of War is and always will be a game of intention. So just like in the game where you intend to be 18 inches out from that from that unit and where, where I personally will make sure I say, hey, I am intending to be outside of 18 and a half. Do you agree? I, I want to make that, that social contract for this one instance. Those intentions start when you get to the table. And I have a discuss, you know, I have a quick conversation with my opponent and say, hey, how do you want to handle you know, whether it's how do we handle cock dice? Right? That's a that's a, that's a common one. Well, also, how do you want to handle mistakes? Like, if, if you should miss something, I will typically break that. I say, look, if you miss something and we haven't moved multiple phases on and we can cleanly go back and fix it, I'm just going to say do it. If you forgot to move that unit that was obviously what you were going to do with it, I'm not going to punish you. And, and so I like to have those conversations with my opponent before the game. And look. If they say to me, Billy, um, no, I, I would prefer we don't do take-backs. I prefer we would just play a very clean game. You know what I'll tell them? Thank you for your honesty, and that's how we'll play it. Yep. Because, that, because now I know your intentions for the game and what, what you reward, right? And, and, and we'll, go, we'll go on from there. And what will happen is, in that instance, I think we will both come away with the game, from the game, satisfied. Because we both agreed up front, this is how we're going to play the game. So, I don't know, what, 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 do you have anything you want to add about the criticism that you're, you're being punished for playing the game by the rules? I, I think you hit uh, all, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you say it's a game of intentions. We, we have a social contract, you come to the table, you're making agreements with, with the other players. You know, uh, every game I started this weekend, we talked about, you know, what are we calling this piece of terrain? Is this, is this height one? Is it flat? Is it, you know, are we counting the whole base or just the building on the base? All of those things play into your expectations of the game. And I think the reason people get salty, people get sour over things that happen during games is when they're not clear about their intentions. And so if you say at the front end, like, hey, 
I'm totally cool if, if we make a mistake. If it's something you know that we can take back and fix it, then that's fine. Like I try to always mark my corners when I move. If it's something that I'm that I'm really thinking hard about, like it's an important move, that way I can never say you can't. Un- you can always. Yeah, undo I, it. I can always undo it, and that's that's an intention of the game. And if someone tells me like, hey, we're not going to do gibsies backsies or whatever, uh, then that's fine. That's, but that is part of the social contract of the game. We're playing with other human beings. Every single one of us is a unique person. And every right. single person has unique experiences and is going to want to play the game their own way, their own flavor as you know, within the parameters of the rules. So the second criticism that we get is that I'm just getting screwed over on sportsmanship because I'm pay- playing a very strong list. But it's to the book. It's, it's legal. That's a more interesting criticism because I think first it can be partly uh, mitigated by the TO. So the TO can do things to clearly spell out in their rules pack that this is not the design for sportsmanship. Or if it is, then you make it clear, like, you know, like you'll see a question like, would you willingly play this army list again? TO takes the time to make sure to explain that this is about the player's behavior, not the army that they bring. But that being said, it's human nature and when you get stomped, for sure, I, I, you know, sometimes I get like, oh, that's, oh, that's rough. That's a rough list. Um, I, I won't ever personally take it out on a sportsmanship score, but I, I can see where that's uh, that could be done. So other side of it is the TO needs to, when they receive the sports course, if they see that kind of thing, you know, if it's a bad vote uh, system or there's a, a ding or a question, you know, the T, it's incumbent on the TO to talk to that person and say, why are you dinging this person? Why that person feels the way they do? And if it is the list, he needs to take away the, the, the bad ding, whatever that is. That being said, you as a player can do two things, um, okay? First of all, I personally am a mid-table player. So I acknowledge the type of players that I'm going to be playing against. And it has been my experience that mid-table and especially bottom-table players find those difficult lists more frustrating than a more balanced list, right? You know, the min-max, the skew lists, they're not going to enjoy those. So it's totally your prerogative if you want to take one of those, okay? I mean, you're not, you shouldn't be punished on sportsmanship. You're already punished if you run into the wrong rock-paper-scissors scenario, right? If you run into the wrong counter, you're already going to be hammered. Just keep in mind in terms of where are you on the scale from high-end competitive player to, to casual guy. And, it, and if you're a casual guy, I would tell you probably, and you, and you plan to play mid to low tables, if, if that's been your history, you want to consider the list. The other tip I would tell you as a player, if you want to play a rock-hard list, play better. Because if you play better and you play at the top, I can tell you right now, Mike Austin's not going to give two about your super hard list. Okay? <laughs> I, I guarantee it. Right? And, that, and that's you know, that's free advice. If you want to play a tough list, then play it good. I went to an event one time where the, the guy came in first and the guy came in last had the exact same list. The guy came in last, got hammered on sports because it was a very, very difficult army. And the people he was playing probably, maybe not specifically dinged him, but they didn't reward him, right? So, which in some regards could be the same thing, right? Um, they're rewarding other people that they found more sporting. Right. And, and so, you know, it, it, there is a piece to it that, that's on you. Bill, you want to chime in on this, this notion that I'm being dinged for playing a very difficult list? As a fellow mid-table to low-table player, uh, 
at, at a certain point, yeah, if you're playing against a, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, a douchey list, and you're you're in the mid tables, and someone, you know, this guy's not gonna go go any higher. He's not in con- legitimate contention for the for the overall award. Uh, they're frustrating to play against. We joke about elves all the time, but honestly, it's not fun when you can't do something about the game. If the entire game is you're on the back foot just because of maybe you're not used to how that list operates or whatever, and you've got to think these people that you're playing might be brand new. Maybe this is their first tournament. Maybe this is their second or third tournament. Maybe whatever. They're just not used to this. And you come in with this dick kicker and uh, maybe you are fun, but if you don't make the game engaging and 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 enjoyable for your opponent, then you're not doing yourself a sportsmanship service. Um, I'm going to tag on to what you said, though, in that something that I do personally, and I don't think that my lists are tough, right? But to your point, if you've never seen something before, it's always tough the first time you see it, okay? And so this weekend at Mountaineer, I did crappy. I lost my first three games, and I went way down, okay? But the entire time I played, every time I got to the table, one of the first things, if I didn't know the player, was I wanted to ascertain, have you played Ogres before, and do you kind of understand what the different units do? And if the answer is, hey, I'm new to the game, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pull off each of these units from my display board, and I'm going to try to explain to you in generic terms what they're what they're good at. What are they for? Just so you'll understand, oh, that's the hammer. That's the, that's the anvil unit. That's the flanker. That's the chaff. Now, you may not know all those terms, but I want to put you on the road to, I don't want you to go, oh, I didn't realize that unit was going to do this. Taking the units off and explaining what each of the units is actually uh, a really interesting point because in a game like Kings of War where while there are standard models, lots of people take a lot of artistic liberties with what they've done. And so I think it's a good idea to, you know, if it's unclear, let your opponents know. Or if they have questions, you know, let them know. Like I, my army, I'm playing dwarves, is pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of... There's not a lot you can confuse. Um, I have a horde of dudes. I have one horde of dudes in my list. You know what I mean? I have Earth Elements. They're, they're very standard. But, I mean, sometimes you can get an army that's a little a little strange. And, you know, if you're not thinking about it, maybe something looks like uh, a slow lumbering whatever, but it turns out it's a big-ass flyer. Or it doesn't have wings and it has fly. You really want to take the time to point that out. Exactly. You know, let let people know stuff. Like, I always... Oh, oh, that's one thing that's confusing about my dwarf army. Is, for theme purposes, my rock riders are actually knights. They're in, like, late medieval German gothic plate armor. Um, And, obviously, berserker rock riders are defense four. However, uh... There's only one cab option in dwarfs, so there's no confusion. But I do like to remind people, yes, I know they have tons of armor. They're only defense four. And I tell them something silly like, well, they can't see very well out of their helmets. You know, and that kind of breaks uh, some tension. And as long as you're clear about what your army is and what your army does, I think that could be a point of, of confusion uh, and, and contention in sports. So another criticism that we hear often is that 
it screws over people that are introverted, soft-spoken, maybe socially awkward. And, and certainly, I, I can see where that could occur. I think from a TL perspective, there are things they can do on the, and we're going to talk about some of those examples, but there are things that they can do with you as a new player to help you. Like, for example, I've been to a tournament one time where you're a new player and they introduced you during the opening ceremony to the rest of the tournament. And, uh, and in fact, something I like to say, and it, it maybe is a little, a little stupid, but I like it anyways. At Blue City Brawl, I want to pull up anybody that's new. So the Blakemores at this last tournament in 2019, I made a point to say, look guys, they're new. When you give them back to me, I don't want them broken. And just that little nod to say, hey guys, pay attention. These guys are new. That helps a little bit. Now, and if it's if it's a person that's uh, socially awkward, TOs can also help with that as well by, you know what, if they're going to be at the bottom tables anyways, you can certainly give them the right path with the right type of temperamental player to deal with that. I mean, personally, I've been to events where we had autistic people, and you know what? TO did a tremendous job of making sure that, that that autistic person played the right person. Now, you know, the flip side is you gotta you gotta get a very altruistic person to be on that side because it can be difficult at times. But I guarantee you in our community you'll find volunteers for that kind of service. And if you are a TO, usually you've got your finger on the pulse of the community. You know, you know that maybe people aren't necessarily they're not jerks, but maybe they just uh, don't know how to pull their punches quite as much. You know, I'm not going to, obviously, I'm not going to call anybody out on the podcast, but I'm saying, like, if I've got a not, not publicly. Player, not privately, public, yes. Privately, absolutely. I will trash Joey Greek six ways a Sunday. But, but you know, I'm not going to put somebody who, A, is probably in contention for the event, and B, uh, you know, isn't generally known as being someone who's particularly well-sporting or friendly or engaging with someone like that who is new slash whatever. Yeah. I think also with TOs in general, this, we're kind of getting into the weeds here a little bit, but TOs have a responsibility. If they see behavior that's probably not what they would like to see, it's on them to go and talk to those players and say, hey, guys, here's some things that I – the behaviors that I, that I see. And, and I'm going to give you an example uh, of something that I would literally throw you out of my tournament if you ever pulled this at my tournament. So I have witnessed uh, at least once where a player asks another player, hey, do you want me to roll for turn seven? The player says, yeah, go ahead and roll for turn seven. The dice is rolled, and it's not in that player's favor. The, the player that said, yes, go ahead and roll it. And then they went and proceeded to say, well, technically, I'm supposed to roll the dice. And then proceeded to have to force the uh, a second roll for turn seven. So I agree that it's not to the rules of the game, but that is completely unacceptable. If you agreed in a social contract to something, the same way if you said, we are agreeing that I am 18 inches out, and you now are saying, well, uh, I'm sorry, you bumped the model, so now I'm in. It's the same kind of thing. That's that's not that's not sporting behavior, and that's behavior we got to correct. Absolutely, and also you don't want to win by you actually bump the model, or you don't want to win. Or did by, you did you actually bump, accidentally bump it? Right. Or did you purposely bump it? Exactly. We don't we don't need those kinds of behaviors. You know, we need polite, courteous discourse because, like I said, this is a game of, I mean, immense preparation. Right. Right. It is a it's a big time suck. It's a big monetary 
drain. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this and you want to try to be the best possible person to each of your opponents. We're a small community. We all have to be ambassadors for the game. Absolutely. And we're always on, you know, display. All right. So the last criticism, and, and I'm not, I really didn't touch on the fact that, you know, what if you're introverted and you're not, you're not like, you're not outgoing and you're not, you're not an engaging person, you know, um, this last criticism is kind of tied to that. And we're going to explain how I think that can be fixed by the TO as well. So, so the last criticism that's leveled often is that sportsmanship is just a popularity contest. And I will be the first to admit that there is the potential for that to occur. Um, there's also potential for, I'm speaking for firsthand experience in the Warhammer community, where if you had somebody that you knew was a good sport that won multiple sportsmanship awards, they were going to be given the benefit of the doubt. And, and I'm speaking for myself. I mean, I've won best sportsmanship at twice at 70 plus player events. I guarantee you that that was in my favor, right? Right. That they did by reputation. If two things are equal, they're going to give me the nod. I would actually prefer that doesn't occur. Okay. The, the notion that it's a popularity contest, a lot of it falls on the TO. And where they, where they fall flat is a lot of times their pack specifically showcases one characteristic of sporting play, which is that friendly play, gregarious play, you know, that, that, that kind of outgoing, you know, like they'll make statements like, was this, you know, if you give this person a five for sports, they're your new best friend, right? So the problem with that is the way you set your pack up is going to funnel our people's expectations of this is how I'm supposed to reward sportsmanship. And I think ultimately where TOs fall flat is, and, and I think very few get it, there's multiple facets to correct sporting play. And I applaud Todd Perkins last year at TNT are making the first step. He broke down sportsmanship into multiple categories you know, cleanliness play, altruistic behavior, different things of sport, sporting play that you that we wanted to reward. Where he fell a little flat was they weighted it in a random fashion. So it was outside of player control. And so what happened is, you know, clean play, it was a dice roll to determine what that was worth. Okay. So the, the, the Blue Sea Brawler said, you know what, that is a great idea because we want to reward all the facets or at least dominant facets of sporting play where we differ from TNT was we're going to let the players decide how uh, they're weighted we broke it into three facets and let me say I would love to hear from you if you have additional parts of sporting play that we're really not covering here because that's awesome the more detailed we can get the more accurate we can we can reward sporting play absolutely so for Blue Seed Brawl uh, in the past we used the traditional ranking system of one, two, three, which there's nothing wrong with a ranking system, okay? We, we still use something similar, but what are you ranking them for? It's important for them to, for you to spell out why are you rewarding, what are you rewarding? And so what we did was we broke sporting, sporting play into three, three things. The first one is we called it cleanest team. Team displayed a solid understanding of the rules and demonstrated accurate and precise measuring and movement, including the use of the clock. Additionally, the team made an attempt to avoid gotcha moments by clarifying intentions on potentially disputed items before completing them. 
That was the first thing. The second one was altruistic team. Team displayed respectful and generous behavior towards their opponents, showcasing a desire to put an opponent's enjoyment over their own. And the third one, and this is the one that a lot of times ends up, because they're not spelling it out, is what sportsmanship is a lot of times known as, is the friendliest team. Team genuinely engaged their opponents in an approachable and meaningful way to establish or develop their relationship. So we had those three buckets and what we required each, and I should mention this is a doubles event, but each each team, each pair, before the event had to weight them. What's, your, what's the most, of those three buckets, what's most important, what's second most important, and what's third most important. And we, and we documented that. And then after the event, you picked one team for each of those things. There's a couple things that we that we've kind of talked about issues with the TOs. Number one is I think it does a good job of rewarding uh, different aspects of sportsmanship that's not just friendliest. Okay, it also puts it in your control. What do you find most important? If cleanliest team is the most important thing, being a clean, precise game, then you will make that your most important thing. And during the tournament, you'll be looking for those things. I think it's a really good idea because, like you said, it, it allows us to reward as an individual, or in this case it's a team tournament, but normally, as an individual, the parts of sportsmanship that you personally find valuable. So I guarantee you, this past weekend at, at Mountaineer, the people that were in top five, top ten at the end of the, at, you know, going into the end, those people probably valued cleanest play. If I had to go out on a limb and guess... I think that would be a good guess. Because those people, they play the game, they're, and I'm making generalizations, so if you're one of those people, you can tell me where to shove it, but they're probably enjoying the game mostly from a competitive standpoint, and so for them, while, yeah, everybody likes people that are friendly, maybe they just really prefer the clean game. Um, that exercise is that archetype of their brain that, that hones in on that competitive aspect where they're challenging themselves. And so they think that clean play is the most important because if your opponent's playing cleanly, you're playing cleanly, margin for error and mistakes is smaller. And if, if you're being very uh, upfront about all of those moves and positions and angles, it, it just uh, it makes for a better game really for everybody, but I think they value that more. Whereas maybe the folks chilling at the at the bottom in the kiddie pool, where I'm usually at, uh, maybe they like the friendliest person. Maybe they like that guy who's like, hey, do you need a beer, bud? And they go run and get it. Because they're there for the social aspect and they want to play. They just want to push toy soldiers across right. the table. And then, of course, uh, altruistic play, because nobody wants to lose because they, they forgot something. And let's be honest, guys. We're all sitting around. We're getting We're getting hammered and we're playing these games, you're gonna forget something. And so, what I like about this system is, number one, it's not black and white. It's very, there, there are would shades you, Would of, you say subjective? It is subjective. But, but it's subjective. But subjective to each individual. And nothing is black and white. There's no, sportsmanship is only being a nice guy. Because that rewards a specific type of person. But if you're a type of person that, that thinks clean play is more important than that, then that's how you weight it. Right, and I think that that gets back to this notion of, uh, sportsmanship adversely affects people that are socially awkward. Well, if you're socially awkward and, and maybe you aren't going to be, uh, you're unable to be outgoing and gregarious, well, then focus on clean play. And in this system, clean play will be rewarded by some people. You know, and I, I should say, we're a smaller event with only 28 players. 
So, but like in a big event, if a big event was to do this, a 60 man event, I guarantee you that in a five game tournament, some of those players that you crossed will appreciate clean play. It comes down to the luck of the draw too, right? Just like how you have maybe subpar matchups or scenarios know, or scenarios or bad dice rolls. Sometimes it's the luck of the draw with, uh, with who you're playing because maybe you're the friendliest guy in the world, but maybe you're mm, a little sloppy. Yeah. And then, but you're coming up to someone who is, doesn't really care about you being friendly. Right. It wants to be clean. Maybe they don't drink at all and they don't care about, about that and they want to play cleanly and it irritates them to see you play a little bit sloppier. And so, I think what this does is instead of it saying you need to be the friendliest guy and you're, you're being disingenuous, what it what it incentivizes you to do is self-evaluate because I did a lot of this. I I've, I realized that I played sloppily and so I... I still do. No, I, <laughs> I mean, it happens. Right. We do it, but I try to avoid it at all costs. I'm very self-aware of sometimes I get a little... Uh, a little ahead of myself. Quick. I really try to, okay, I need to mark this unit because I'm going to test where I'm going to move them. So people need to, just like how you have to practice to get better at the game, you have to practice to get better at painting. Sometimes you got to practice to get better at being a better sportsman. And that doesn't always have to mean being a nice guy. Just to summarize this this piece by you know, what TOs can do. So if events start to break sportsmanship down into facets that they, that they see and actually allow players to weight those facets and judge other players on it over time as a community we are gathering data as well and the, and the community will, will tell us like if you if you go and you actually find that at your event clean play is the number one thing weighted for three years running by 50% of the, the tournament that's going to be that's a pretty important piece of data right I, I think that's something something that's uh, useful because ultimately, ultimately, and this is where it all hammers home, is that it is the player's responsibility to have an open dialogue with the TO as well. And so if you're going to an event, this method is one way for you to tell the tournament organizer what you value. But the same token is, and this is maybe even more important, if you're looking at the rules pack and you have concerns, for example, if you look at the rules pack and you go, Wow, this this is a 33%, 33%, 33% battle paint sportsmanship. And and you and you're distressed about that. Maybe that's not the event for you. We had an event in Wisconsin that that's exactly what that was every year. And it was a hobby tournament. If you didn't bring a really good army, it was really tough. Right? But that was the intention of the TL. And it was clearly spelled out on the pack. So the flip side is, you know, look at look at the scoring systems and understand what are what are the TOs rewarding. I was gonna say, ultimately, the way TOs spell out and weight soft scores is going to affect their players' behavior. So I'll I'll pick on Dojo a little bit. They're known in the Kings of War community as kind of being the villains. They're notorious for bringing hard lists and playing super cleanly. And that rubs some people the wrong way. But those guys understand that in their meta, in their region where they play, soft scores are weighted higher. So they, as a group of people who are trying to do better, trying to win events, realize that they have to improve their paint and improve their sportsmanship. 
And they did. And they did. And they have. And now Brad McKay has won the Masters. Like, Brad McKay's new army looks great. And that's what happens when you weight soft scores a particular way. So just understand that if you're going to have an event with no soft scores, you're going to have guys with unpainted armies. And understand that if you do have higher soft scores, you're going to have maybe some of the guys that aren't as nice or bring hard lists or don't have nice looking armies. Those guys are either A, not going to go because they understand that that's not their scene or they're going to try to improve to do better. Right. So I'll just tack on to this and close this out with, if you're the player, look at the rubric. Do you understand what they are trying to reward? And reward is not just how they what you're rewarding it for, but how much they're going to reward it with. Right? The percentage allocation to overall is also a very good indication of the type of event they want to run. And if it distresses you, you always have the option to not go. But before you do that, I highly recommend just emailing the TO and say, hey, I see this is scored in such and such a way. Is that your intention? Like, is that really the kind of... Uh, I'm cool with it, but like, I mean, I, I would prefer not to play in that in that environment. And I just wanted to see if it was an oversight. Just open that dialogue because I also think it's important for TOs to... TOs really need to understand their community. Because while you might want, want, want to call it a business, we need players to show up. And I can guarantee you that players vote with their attendance and TOs see that. Not everybody's going to love everything, but they're going to give the community the thing that's going to get the most butts in that in that room or in, that, in those seats. So, I mean, ultimately, TOs can do more. Ultimately, players can do more. Uh, I think my parting thought is as a player, you need to be self-aware that everybody is going to be different. And every person you play is a different human being and you should go into every single game with a fresh slate this is easier for me i work with children and so during a school year i have 80 different children and they're all completely different they all work in different ways and so i can't judge them on a broad spectrum i can't say the best student does this i have to say the best jimmy does this you know what i'm saying the best individual this is how they do and of course sometimes you know, if you, I've made, I played five brand new people today and they were all, or this weekend, and they were all completely different. And that's okay because I go to the table and I meet them and I talk to them and I find out who they are and what kind of game they want to play. And then I hopefully express what kind of game I want to play. And maybe we meet somewhere in the middle and it works out. Because ultimately, it is a game of a social contract. We're pushing toy soldiers across the table and rolling dice. And so we always just want to have the most fun possible. And by being self-aware and reflective about your own uh, behaviors, as well as the desires of the other players, you can try to make our community better. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 